Dr. Katrina Fury, a psychiatrist. And I'm Portia Pendleton, a licensed clinical social worker. And And this this is Analyze Scripts, a podcast where two shrinks analyze the depiction of mental health in movies and TV shows. Our hope is that you learn some legit info about mental Mm -hmm. health while feeling like you're chatting with your girlfriends. There is so much misinformation out there and it drives us nuts. And if someday we pay off our student loans or land a sponsorship, like with a lay flat airline or a major beauty brand, even better. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and your DSM-5 and enjoy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Thank you for joining us again. We wanted to yes. give you a quick little note um, since we have so many more listeners right now and we're really excited because the Super numbers are exciting. We are going to re-release some of our most popular episodes, the ones that we feel like we did the best on. Mm-hmm. Um, some of our favorites. The most. So you're going to see some um, episodes coming out that maybe you've already listened to, but if you haven't, please check them out. And Katrina, when will, when will we be posting them? So we are going to, over the next two months, release some re-release episodes on Thursdays. Mm -hmm. So every Monday, you'll get a new episode that's fresh. And then every Thursday, you'll get one of either our most popular episodes from last year or an episode like Black Swan that we're just really proud of and we think uh, is really interesting. Um, So we're going to be releasing things like White Lotus, Shutter Island, You Season 3 with Sherry and Carrie, our favorite um, succession, black swan, you know, things like that, just to give our new listeners a little taste, um, of what to expect and to hopefully get you hooked in hitting the subscribe button and sharing with all your friends. Thanks. So enjoy this new episode and we'll see you Thursday. See you again Thursday for Harry Potter's, uh, number one. We are joined here today by some really exciting guests to talk about the movie The Blind Side. Um, so before we get started, I'm going to quickly introduce who they are, and then we will get into the movie. So we have Zarel Stallings and Karan Webb, who are the co-founders of the Association of the Black Sports Officials. The ABSO was conceived in 2016 following an incident of unfair practices of evaluation and elevation of Black officials on an officiating board in Connecticut. 
ABSO was able to advocate on behalf of Black individuals and successfully shift, improving the equality among Black officials and played an intricate role in rewriting the bylaws and policies for said board. Co-founder of Association of Black Sports Officials, um, raised in New Jersey, Coran now resides in Connecticut. He is a graduate of Southern Connecticut State University and University of Connecticut and has worked in social work and media literacy fields. Karan has been able to be involved with sports in some capacity for most of his life. He's been officiating sports for over 20 years. Karan has officiated in the past for Central Connecticut Association of Football Officials and basketball for Central Connecticut IAABO Board 6. In January 2018, ABSO was formed. ABSO's goal is to bring equality for all Black officials across all sports on all levels throughout the country. ABSO is designed not only to be a voice of advocacy for Black officials by providing support and resources, but to educate and train all officials, athletes, administrations, leagues, etc. on and off athletic fields. Through these efforts, not only will Black officials be better off, but the community and entire sports landscape will be better off as well. So if you can... Um, can you share where our listeners can find you, like on a website or social media? Sure, no problem. But first, before we do that, uh, I just want to make sure, you know, Zavrell is able to introduce himself and mm -hmm. his background or what have you. For some reason, I'm not sure why that wasn't stated, but it's all good. I mean, we okay. got him here so we can hear him. We can hear him out. Yeah, it's all good. Um, I'm Zarell Stallings. Uh, I'm a football official, been a football official for the last 12 years. Uh, high school football official, um, I'm a, a business owner here in the in the Greater Hartford uh, community, uh, Greater Hartford uh, area. Um, other than that, co-founder of <laughs> ABSO. Uh, me and Karan also run a uh, another agency that that provides uh, officials for youth uh, sports. Uh, and that's um, Independent Sports Officials uh, Alliance. So those are the just kind of things that I, that myself and Karan are into. And uh, that's it. That's me. Mm. Cool. Well, it's nice to have you both join us today. Um, thank you so much for making the time. And I'm we're really excited to hear your point of view on this movie. Mm. Uh, thank you. So a little bit about The Blind Side, just um, the movie came out in 2009. Um, it, it got a lot of buzz. Sandra Bullock won an Oscar for her role as um, Michael Orr's mom, um, Leanne Lee Tui. Mm -hmm. And it was based on the book by the same name by Michael Lewis. Um, mm -hmm. Michael Orr was played by Quentin Aaron in it. Um, and you know, this, this movie was pretty popular. And what, what was worth noting is that the Tui family appeared to be kind of at all of the events, right? So they were at the Oscars, they were at the premiere, and now looking yes. back, uh, Michael Orr wasn't. So, no, you know, he, he, he didn't come to those events. And I think that that probably speaks volumes about his feelings on the movie then. And obviously, he's been more vocal lately. But um, where, where do you want to get started today, Katrina? Um, I think, you know, the, the thing that jumps out about this movie to me, and one reason we've been wanting to cover it is just its depiction of this sort of concept we call white saviorism, um, where, you know, this movie really depicts like this white, wealthy family plucking up 
this black boy um, and saving him and sort of changing the course of his life, changing the course of their lives. Um, and in rewatching it in preparation for this episode, I was really struck by how many like really awful racial stereotypes it pushed. And I found myself wondering like what, what is actually true about his background, uh, about Michael Orr's background, you know, like right away we see, you know, who the little boy who's playing Michael, like in a car with his friend's dad who he's been staying with and we see them drive from like his part of town which you come to find is like the bad part of town um where there's a lot of people of color things look run down um and you see him drive into the nice part of town where he's going to go to this private christian school and eventually you know gets what we were told was adopted by the tui family um and so right away even just that like the drive i feel like is already pushing like some really negative stereotypes. Um, they say that his IQ is only 80, his GPA is 0.6. Um, you know, they, they just portray him as this like, like kind of like dumb, reserved, like almost socially inept person. Um, and right away, you know, we see the admissions staff again, who's all white, um, all white men, say, you know, you don't admit Michael Orr because of sports, you admit him because it's the right thing to do. But really the undercurrent is they saw he was really good at sports. Um, and kind of that's why they wanted him there. Um, you know, we also hear about how his mother, they call her a crack addict a lot in the movie. They just use really harmful language um, and say, you know, she was forcibly, re- he was forcibly removed from her care. Uh, we see him like go back to his neighborhood and just the things that are depicted, I think, are, are pretty harmful and it comes, you know, in watching, you know, the recent HBO documentary and, and reading more about what Michael Orr has been saying in the present day, we come to find out like a lot of that wasn't true. Um, and that, ugh, I don't know, I guess that's where I want to start. <laughs> Do you guys have any comments on that? <laughs> uh, well, I would say, you know, I reviewed the movie again too, cause it was a while. Um, but yeah, I could definitely understand your your POV. Um, I, I definitely thought that throughout the movie, uh, the white savior coming down, you know, even her friends, you know, even to the point where her friends were mocking her yeah. you know, and things of that nature. So, um, no, I think there's a, that's a good place to start uh, mm-hmm. because that's probably the most honest place. To start is is right there. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you guys want to weigh in on that. Yeah, I mean, I think that the more recent documentary, I think it came out this year on um, HBO or Max, um, spoke a lot to with his friends and family from kind of growing up. They spoke with a man who was kind of housing him and that right. it was not you know, he, he, he did have a bedroom, like him and he did that have a man's son were really close friends and it was like, not a bad place. Um, they spoke to his social aptitude and how he was like really well liked and really, um, like, um, like Smart. an extrovert, like, like, you know, yeah. socially he had a ton of friends, everyone loved him and how he was very in- intelligent, which I thought was interesting then when they also spoke about his football career 
he memorized, you know, he as a as an NFL player, I would imagine. Um, mm-hmm. But he memorizes all the plays like he's very intelligent um, at both academically and then as an athlete. Um, so I thought that for him, yeah. and I guess he had spoke on it at least once like that for him was really the most harmful part was the depiction of his intelligence um, yeah. and how low it was in the movie. Yeah. And, and, I, and I just add to that, I think uh, just to, to sensationalize, you know, the, the, what the media does when we're talking about films, television, mm-hmm. news coverage, just in general. And, and to that point, the uh, portion in regards to the difference into who he actually was intellectually versus what they portrayed him to be. Here. You know, I would feel some kind of way as well, too, um, in regards to like yeah. insult my intelligence, you know, um, belittling me, et cetera, et cetera, in, in regards to all of that. So I so. I know just with the media just as a whole here. And again, I know ultimately the bottom line is to, to sell a movie and get, and get people to go and purchase tickets, et cetera, et cetera here. But, uh, you know, it, it's a rough, it's a rough field in regards to just like really ultimately not caring, you know, about, you know, actually the, the human side of it. And I know yourself, you know, and Katrina here just being, you know, in this field of the people business here, we know that human side is very important here. And I think just, you know, that wasn't, um, display, you know, as far as some of the things they portray um, him to be. Yeah. So just to clarify for um, if anyone's listening who hasn't seen the the newer documentary on HBO, I highly encourage you to watch it. I think it's only like an hour long or so. Um, interestingly, Michael Orr also wasn't involved in that, but I think it's because there's some ongoing litigation. It said at the end of it, but basically some of the big things that were totally incorrect, again, his intelligence level, his social aptitude, um, and, you know, we see Leanne and the Tui family, like, rescue him from the rain where he has nowhere to go. He has nowhere to stay. Right. Like, that's one of the pivotal scenes in the movie. Um, and it turns out, like, that's not true. Like, he was staying with his friend's family and with his friend's dad and he could continue staying there. They didn't kick him out. They didn't ask him to leave. It sounds like they really cared about him. They were taking care of him. And it sounds like what actually happened from their point of view, as they say in the documentary, is that Mr. Tui um, said, hey, you know, he could come stay with us. We live closer to the school. And then somehow, like, he ended up staying there kind of forever. But it seems like that conversation happened after people started recognizing how good he was at sports. And so that left a bad taste in my mouth. And then the other thing that happened was there's this scene where the little boy SJ who's played by this like you know gregarious little kid who's like super adorable right in the movie but you show like this like how old was that kid eight this like eight-year-old basically like teaching him Michael how to be like social how to talk to people and then basically teaches him how to play football using all those condiments remember with like the hot Mm -hmm. sauce bottles and stuff and like everyone in the movies, like Michael knew how to play football. Like he didn't need someone to teach him. And again, mm-hmm. just all of that just continues like sending this message that he's like, you know, not smart, doesn't know what to do and kind of like would just have been adrift and lost without this white family coming to save him. And I just, again, all of it just left such a bad taste in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, again, with just how much, was sensationalized and that the things that were sensationalized just push this like really icky like narrative about, you know, 
just these icky narratives about, you know, young black boys. It just mm-hmm. really um, bothered me. And, and rewatching it for myself this time, I was really interested in kind of the themes of like local or more local um, sports track, sports trafficking. So mm-hmm. even as Mr. Tui is kind of like, Oh, you could stay with us. I was like, you know, thinking in my head, um, and I don't know if it, it, it is clear, maybe it is and I missed it, but like, was that because then he could go to that school district or I'm thinking kind of a part of what you, um, gentleman had talked about in a training that I attended was just like, you know, the zip code switching and kind of like living with, um, different families in order to play at a different school. So if you could share mm-hmm. just with our listeners, like what is sports trafficking? Where does it happen? Um, I think some people would be surprised at how local it is. 
Yeah. Right? That they was essentially asking him that, but in a more professional, I guess, right. manner or tone. Um, and then going to back to your original question about the high school, uh, it wasn't that he was in the wrong district because it was a in the movie it was a Catholic school, so they were private. Mm-hmm. You can you can be anywhere, but what happens when you have these private Catholic schools or prep schools that are highly competitive? They will go in the inner city, pluck a kid, set them up, you know, and get around all the legalities of it and what have you. So um, so those are your forms. They're just not presented in that way of how me and Karan, uh, you know, how we presented in our educational piece of uh, sports trafficking. Essentially the same thing. Um, and we've witnessed it here in Connecticut. You know, we've seen cases here where, you know, it wasn't called sports trafficking, but some, some coaches got in trouble and things of that nature. So um, I think the more that we, we shed light on it, the more important and the more, um, you know, uh, uh, serious, uh, you know, the agencies of sports will take more heed to mm-hmm. and, and, and put their foot down. Yeah. Can you speak a bit about um, some of the negative ramifications that can come from sports trafficking? Like I can think of some that I could assume would come from it, but I wonder, given your experience, what what you've seen like in real life. I would say probably first and foremost, uh, the detachment from your your, your bio family and the family yeah. that they were removed from, regardless um, of the situation here. This is the people that raised you, gave birth to you, and just your community as a whole and, and, and culture environment here uh, being thrust into you know somewhere completely you know foreign or unknown, and um, sometimes it might not be a call maybe once a week, once a month, depending on the, the circumstances and not that, that connection, I think, with your with your family. I think that's one of the first things that happens here. But I think just, you know, and, and when we're talking about minors here, we know the brain you oh. know, develops. They change their age all the time here. It was, yeah. you know, 23, 25, 26. Who knows what it is now? But I know it's the latter part of the 20s here as far as the brain being fully developed here. So right. just think about everything um, an individual goes through as far as a minor, just, you know, um, the disconnect from the bio family, you know, um, trying to learn a whole nother culture, another language potentially, depending on mm-hmm. where he or she is from. Just, you know, those are just a couple of examples as far as some of the side effects um, to what, what happens here. And, and, uh, and being forced probably to do something you know you, you might not want to do. You might yeah. mm-hmm. some people may have a love for the for the sport, some may not, but they understand quote unquote it's a it's a way out, you know, mm-hmm. um and to help the family here. So I mean those are just a couple of examples of mine. And then thinking of like the kids who don't make it, you know, so it's like, I would say at a minimum, maybe there's a financial incentive for them when they're not already being taken advantage by all the people who helped them. But, Mm -hmm. you know, when you don't make it, you're then what do you I mean, you were displaced, you know, you didn't finish out your your important developmental years where maybe, you know, would have been best for you. And now and now you didn't get a scholarship or now, you know, you're not you don't have that, that carrot that they were kind of dangling in front of you um, for the idea of kind of moving you in with someone else. So I think, you know, it speaks to maybe the other forms as well of trafficking as just like minors getting lost then and people kind of, you know, then becoming unhoused and, you know, so on and so forth, just not having, you know, their support team with them. 
And what that does to a child's identity and their sense of self, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you don't get the scholarship or you don't make it to the big leagues, like I I think that just would really mess with your sense of self and your importance. It reminds me so much of what we saw with Britney Spears um, and with other child stars. Um, It's, it's kind of similar, but I guess, you know, the, um, the local, the international, just thinking about it from such a small scale to such a big scale, it's just, it's really heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, not definitely. Not, not zero. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, um, their mental health, because at some point the reality is going to set in that you're just a meal ticket. Yeah. At some oh. point it's going to set in, you know, and how do you cope with that as a, as a, as a child? You know, because to Q's uh, point earlier, you know, if you're not developing until 20 in your late 20s, mid 20s, I mean, that's going to take a toll because you're going to then you're always going to have that in your head that I'm still the guy. I'm still the I'm still this. And you're going to always try to keep chasing that and chasing it. And just, you know, the reality. But the reality is there and and you know it. You just. It's just hard for them to accept it. And and it's terrible because, you know, a lot of them have been coddled and told that they were going to be the next LeBron or the next, you know, Tom Brady or whoever, whatever sports they're into. And then when they're all used up. Who's there? Right. Nobody's there. Right. Right. Exactly. I, I, you know, I think I'm making a huge assumption and generalization, but I'd imagine that as these children grow and start to realize what's actually going on. Like we kind of see, it seems like based again, we're not analyzing anyone uh, personally because we, we can't. Right. Mm-hmm. But it seems like based on what we're seeing in the media, Michael, or as he's gotten older, has a different perspective, at least compared to how they depict his perspective in the movie, which again, may be totally false. Um, but yeah, like once you start to realize what's going on, it, you probably don't have the support system around you to really like process that. Like it actually probably goes against what the people around you want you to be doing to right. see what's actually happening. Right. They're not going to be like, Oh yeah, well, let's go to therapy and we can talk about how I've been exploiting you and using you. And you know, I'll still give you a place to live. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. And I think too, um, you know, those who are in these situations, male, female, there's a small, small percentage that make, make able to make the connection like, OK, this might not pan out for me, but I'm going to use this and take every advantage of it possible uh, possible here in regards to like make it work for me here as far as educationally and resources and supports and learn who's around me. I know there's a small percentage. I know that and the education probably needs to be out there in regards to just everyone in general, like, hey, you know. This the clock, and I use it metaphorically here. Like you know, the clock's going to hit all zeros here, and, and whether it's high school, college, or the pros here, you know, and just taking everything along the way, what you can use in regards to um, what you've learned to, to better yourself in life. And we think about Michael Orr; he reached the highest of highs here, you know. Yeah. And, you know, as far as you want to talk about what the perception, whether you know, you know, um, NFL, you know, big contracts, everything here, but still, this still lingers with him, and it still, you know, as far as the whole situation, whether it's the movie or how he's being portrayed to other folks here. And there's probably just some other stuff internally that he's probably had going on and just 
And, and I say that to say, so it's like no amount of money or prestige can, you know, make or erase that. And it's, oh, quite yeah. obvi- and it's quite obvious with him. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I think, you know, I can't imagine what must be going on for him internally. Like, at least in the movie, they have that scene where, you know, the Tuis have decided they want to adopt him. And it seems like at least the way it's coming across is it's like, from coming from a benevolent place and hoping to help Michael and further his future. And they're all sitting at the table and, you know, the, their biological children are like so excited to hear his response, you know? And I think Leanne says something like, what, what do you think about, you know, becoming, you know, like a permanent member of our family um, or something? I don't think they use the word adoption or maybe they do. And he says something like, I thought I already was. And everyone's like, oh, that's so cute. And again, it's kind of like, is that again a, a, a jab? Like, well, he's kind of so dumb. He doesn't realize what's going on. Or is it speaking to how he really does feel like he's part of this family and he's loved and it's so happy. Um, but then it's come out that they didn't actually adopt him. They entered a conservatorship. And that really blew my mind because in the movie, they use the word adoption or guardian. I think they say they're his legal guardians over and over and over. Um, And again, I'm not a lawyer, but it's my understanding that adoption and legal guardianship are very different from conservatorship. But I wonder, Zarel Karan, can you speak to that in any ways? Uh, Actually, funny. I I actually can. Um, I have guardianship of my guardian. So conservatorship and guardianship is totally different. There is a different process. Um, I'm sure you have to go to in front of some sort of judge, but you know, you're not, I think what happened with them in the movie was they couldn't get his mom probably to sign off. So that's probably was the easiest way to be mm-hmm. able to, um, um, to be able to do things legally with him yeah because you see them at the like department of family services right she's like cutting the line um to get the address and (laughs) yeah um i mean i mean she was a pistol through the whole movie yeah so um but again that sense of entitlement just bleeds all the way through (laughs) i think in the movie though they said that he was a ward of the state so they didn't need his mom's permission and she was like what you would like give him to me without telling his mama. And then she went to see the mom again, sort of painting her as this like benevolent, like, Oh, I couldn't possibly do this without telling the mom, but who knows what really happened. Who knows what happened. And just to add on to this conversation, one, as far as water to state, meaning the state has custody, custody Mm -hmm. of you. So, and again, even with that being said, um, under 18, you know, as far as for the adoption to actually go through for someone under 18, the parents' rights have to be terminated, you know, um, first and foremost for adoption Mm -hmm. to even go through. Um, The conservatorship is, you know, uh, more the adult side. So if 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 that's the move that they made is when he turned 18 legally, they, you know, he didn't need a parent's decision or anything, mom's decision or what have you to move forward here. But anything under 18, like as far as the adoption piece, parents all rights you know, have to be um, terminated in regards to that. The obtaining legal guardianship, they don't have to be uh, be terminated in regards to that. Uh, so there's a couple of different avenues under 18, but it appears with the whole conservatorship, 
oh, if that was the case, they waited till he was 18. This way, they ain't need, they didn't need his parents' permission or the state's permission because by then he, he's an he's an adult. Even though if he was a senior in high school, if he's 18, he's right. 18. Right. So that why would they need a conservatorship at all? Is my question. If he's 18, couldn't they just like support him with the right legal legal? Uh, to be able to have some legal jurisdiction over him, paperwork, mm-hmm. with finances, everything else, as, as far as uh, some type of um, legal guardianship or mm-hmm. of him as an adult, to have some legal say. Yeah, that's yeah. What that is right. I guess like what I know about conservatorship, at least in the state of Connecticut, is from a psychiatrist's point of view. Right, that I know that there's two types of conservatorships here: conservatorship of person, and then conservatorship of a state. And so, conservatorship of person is when you give someone the legal power to make decisions for you about right. like where you live, your health care, medications you take, think where you go to school, if you're going to school, things like that. Then conservatorship of finance is someone who has legal control over your finances. And at least as a psychiatrist, that comes up in our line of work. If someone has a mental illness, anything ranging from schizophrenia to bipolar disorder to dementia um, to neurocognitive impairment, Uh, It can also come up for medical illnesses that might affect someone's decision-making where someone is so impaired that they're not able to manage these things on their own. But the key piece is someone has to be so impaired that they're not able to manage these things on their own. And I think that's where, um, again, like Britney Spears' conservatorship has been in the media a lot because the big question is like, well, how can you say you're so impaired you need a conservator and yet you're doing all these things. And I think in the documentary about the blind side that came out recently, they said like in the paperwork, it says like, he's of sound mind. Like there are no um, disabilities or anything. And someone commented like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen because you need that to have a conservator. Right. So it's real confusing. Interesting. You mentioned that. And I bring up, you mentioned white saverism, but I also bring up white privilege. I mean, because basically, I mean, when I saw said and done, like they, probably knew some people to make yes. a decision as far yes. as, you know, judge or what have you to, mm-hmm. you know, sign award, to, to sign off on all that, especially to your point, you know, Katrina, when you just mentioned like, you know, he has a sound mind and everything else here. So it, it was probably some behind the scenes things that were, that were all moving and shaking in regards to to get things signed off as far as to be a conservator um, mm-hmm. for him to have some say about his finances or what have you. To, and to your point here, obviously in Connecticut with some things going on, you know, development with the delays and everything else. And that's usually when, you know, conservatorship right. play, plays a big role here in regards to preliminary guardians and all that other stuff here. So, yeah. Right. But I don't, it, it's my understanding and I could be wrong. And so please, like, let me know if I am that you can't just like walk down the street and be like, huh, there's an 18 year old high schooler. Like I'm going to be his conservator now. Like nice. without steps, yeah. steps. Right? like that like you, steps, studies, everything that ties it. Yeah. Me. Right. Like, I, I mean, like I'm just speaking from my own experience. Like there've been times where the judge has denied conservatorship for patients we've had, like on the inpatient unit who are so ill and yet they still preserve their autonomy, right? Like it, these aren't decisions that mm-hmm. I've seen made very lightly. So when this came up, I just was so confused. I was like, why did they do that? Like, what did this give them that they needed that they couldn't have had without it? And the only things that come to my mind are like nefarious, malicious things. Like, like I, I don't know, like they could have still supported him in, doing good at school, going to college, like, 
like yeah, they could have assisted it, him make decisions like oh like hey you like many 18 year olds um you know here's your first right. contract or here's your first deal like do you want to talk to a financial advisor do you want to you want to set up a bank account like for you though like i'm giving right, you advice right. freely why do i have to be signing off on it and then like that just feels like why is the money coming yeah. to me right or I would say three letters, R-O-I. Return on investment. I my house, I fed you, I clothed you, you know, I made sure you got the proper education, so forth. And so I'm just being, uh, just thinking from their crazy perspective. Yeah. Um, So I need to be able to recoup, recoup this at some point. You know, um, I mean, just think about the movie. I, if I'm your conservator, right? I can, I can use your likeness without your, without your permission. Right. I mean, you think I, you think he, if he's feeling like he's feeling now, I don't think he would have signed off on the script. Right, right. That's, That's interesting. I was thinking. Yeah. I didn't even think about the movie rights. I, I would gander that that is probably mm-hmm. the majority of 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 it right like because he was so uninvolved in that and i was like well how like it's about him right you know let alone thinking about his sports career which i'm sure obviously was also you know impacted in a way by them but um yeah okay that that clears up some questions that i had that but makes I mean, all the sense yeah. in the world uh i was just gonna add uh, just in regards to you know while um, Back to the media and how they we had a black male, young black male, eventually, you know, an adult black male, just, you know, just thinking about the circumstances as far as I'm, I'm just talking about the movie in general, not the, the person himself here. In a situation, big house, family, you get pretty much anything that you want here, you know, so they got it as far as, of course, this black, this black male is not going to say no to this. And do you want to be adopted? Do you want to be adopted? Or whatever the questions that are being asked. Just think about, you know, the pressures of just hearing that, you know, as far as that goes here, being a, a young man here, like, I'm going to say no. I'm going to give all, I'm going to give all this up, you know, that I have as far as what I, versus where I came from, you know, while, and, you know, and again, like I said, I just tie that back to, you know, the media and kind of just, you know, taking a, a left turn as far as in regards to what they wanted it to be portrayed as far as we talk about black men. And we think about black men, I mean, a handful of movies or what have you that where we depicted it as far as in positive lights and ain't these stereotypes, you know, white family coming to save us and, and everything else as well, too. So it, it, it definitely some of that going on as well. I just mm-hmm. wanted to just add that. No, 100%. 100%. And his, you know, his like experience now, you know, I, I'm, you know, speaking just of what thoughts kind of come to my mind is like, if you take someone who's been displaced from their family, or, you know, has kind of had to bounce around, even if they are with supports, I would imagine that to an extent, right, that if impacts your attachment, right? So, so you probably oh, don't have sure. like the most secure attachment. Um, and so, you know, when then there's these big, powerful people making all these promises and kind of giving you an Xbox, even though, right, that's like nothing to them, but it's like this big deal that, you know, kind of gives that false sense of like, we got you. And I think someone with maybe not the strongest attachment style is more easily, you know, kind of being able to go along with that. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. It is exactly grooming. And Mm -hmm. I think like, oh, I just... 
Uh, it just, it makes me so sad for him as a person and for any other person who goes through this. Cause I'm just thinking like he probably, and again, I'm just totally, you know, making assumptions here. I don't know for sure, but it seems like he felt so loved and cared for. And then to realize what was actually happening has got to feel awful. And like you were saying earlier, Karan, like no amount of money or Super Bowl wins takes that oh, like pain away of feeling like, wait, I thought you were my family, but actually now I'm learning this was a conservatorship and you guys made like hundreds of millions of dollars off of me. But what? <laughs> <laughs> like what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's a tough pill to swallow for him, I'm sure. I'm yeah. Sure it is. But, you know, I mean, I'm going to say this, um, and this is not to give any positivity on the Tui's. Um, I'm glad Michael took advantage of every bit of it. Yeah. You know, he got his education. He was able to make it to the NFL. He was able to be a Super Bowl champion. Um, not sure if he's in the hall. He might go in the hall at some point. Uh, so he, he he took advantage of every bit of it, and I, I'm glad. Because a, a lot of times, you get used up and you don't get a chance to take advantage of none mm-hmm. of it. You just mm-hmm. get used up and tossed away. You know, mm-hmm. so luckily he was able to take full advantage of all everything that, you know, every opportunity that, you know, came across his, his path. Um, even though they had their alternatives and what they were trying to do. So I think that that's the one positive. Um, but I'm just to say about the movie, I think, for me, I was always suspicious of the movie when it was never told from his eyes. Yeah. I want to know, like, who is Michael Lewis, too? Like, where did he come from and why is he writing the book? I think he was friends with Sean Tui, they said in the documentary. But, like, why did he write the book? Like, what was right. the point so of that? Not Michael, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I really want to hear from Michael. I hope someday we do. Like, I would be really interested to hear his perspective. Um, one thing that really stuck out to me in the documentary was someone was, I think a lot of people like his friends and and things like that, who were in the documentary were saying like, you know, like just imagine what it was like for him to enter all those locker rooms after this movie came out and everyone thinks you're an idiot. Like everyone thinks you're dumb. You can't read, you can't write. And like, you just walk in and that's the picture they have of you. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think that probably did uh, travel with him, but I think those, as far as you talk about teammates and coaches, those who probably spent that time with him, those probably could be the complete opposite as well, too. Yeah, yeah, so, true. As far as as far as getting to know him, knowing the man that he is and who he became, as far as an individual as well. But I'm sure those who didn't know him or what have you there, and, you know, I'm sure it could uh, play the role somewhere along the way there. But I still also think that those who got to know him realize, like, hey, this is not which you know the depiction of them is not true mm-hmm. right and sports you know i think as as many of us know um is is also just such a wonderful outlet for for having a team for having positive supports for um being good for your mental health you know like working mm-hmm. towards goals and working together collaboratively that i think too um just the the action obviously unless you hate the sport which makes it even worse but like the sports i think team can buffer you know i would imagine some of the mm-hmm. the the negative impacts of his experience and i would imagine other people's experiences as well like him 
you know, one of one of the trainings we we tied around um, the mental health piece of it, how that in sports, you know, interconnect with one another here. Just you talk about the team, the team aspect of it, and how important that is. That had those supports and folks similarly situated. There's no socioeconomic, you know, right. standards when you put a helmet on. Everyone has the same helmet. Everybody's playing, you know, um, once you're on that field. If we're talking about football, yeah, or if it's an individual right. individual sport as well, too. I mean, just the thrill of competing and being able to overcome challenges here and uh, what have sports brings a whole yeah. lot uh, to the table, most definitely. So is there anything else you guys would like to kind of share about the movie thoughts, um, your kind of expertise in sports in general, um, or anything else that we kind of missed today? Nah, just I think as a whole, it's interesting we're talking about uh, sports, but in a different ways, not actually the being on the field competing. We talk about different areas, whether it's trafficking, whether it's the mental health part of it, transition, or what have you there. And uh, it's just, you know, sports parallels life. I mean, we've said that along the way as well and I, one way or another here. How, you know, the highs, the lows, the things that come with it, you know. Um, and this movie, you know, depicts, like I said, a lot of things, uh, life-related things here. You know, things that were left out maybe intentionally or unintentionally as far as it regards to, uh, to, the, to the blind side movie here. But I think sports in general here, it's a lot of people's lives. It's a lot of people's soundtrack to lives. It, it's the highs, the lows. I mean, you know, um, I think about, you know, the NFL here, like yeah, those who love it and, you know, folks are miserable for like a whole week if their team loses until that following yeah. weekend. You know, well, it, it is just interesting how powerful that is. You know, and I think about those who actually are playing, whether it's tennis, whether it's swimming, whether it's lacrosse, just the ability to um, – not only the the physical needs that it that it helps, but you know the emotional, psychological, you know things that it just brings here. Sports, like I said, definitely parallels life. And I know you talked about bringing this around. I mean, this episode, Aaron, give or take around Super Bowl time, and how interesting the whole trafficking piece came up. That's one of the prime times we're talking about trafficking, especially sex trafficking right. and at, mm-hmm, at these mm-hmm. sporting events, for, such as the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, like I said, is. Uh, unfortunately, prime real estate for those who are in that line of work, you know, with these vulnerable individuals that they take advantage of. So it's interesting, like we're talking about this. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think it's tragic, to say the least. And it, and it seems to always be, you know, vulnerable parties. Um, Similarly, we just, you know, recorded an episode on some of the docuseries coming on cults. And, and, and we talked just about, right, like, it's always, there's always a dynamic. There's someone who's, you know, in with a lot of power, a lot of privilege, um, oftentimes also very like, you know, good at people talking and charming mm-hmm. um, to kind of lure you in. Right. And then and then it's these vulnerable people who are often first, you know, for, for any reason, vulnerable that kind of fall prey then to um, these these nefarious people who, you know, oftentimes are doing a lot of harm. But, you know, like you said, Zarel, in, in Michael's story, you know, it's like the only thing that really is positive is when you do make it and you can take advantage of everything and you do get the deal and you, then you have your own connections and you're kind of using like a, a sponge, you know, sucking up it all um, as well. And then obviously the tragic stories as well when you don't make it and, you know, you're kind of used up and then left with nothing. Right. So, um, no, it's definitely devastating, but. Absolutely. Yeah. I just think, um, well, their biggest nightmare is that he did take advantage and he was smarter mm-hmm. than they think he is. And now, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully, um, I'm going to use his word lightly, but hopefully justice is served for him mm-hmm. and he gets what he, you know, whatever he presumes is his. Um, right. 
and and uh, you know, and everybody. I mean, because they got theirs already. They they got theirs ten times over already. Um, and I'm not saying they need to go broke or, you know, people need to uh, cancel them. <laughs> you know, anything of that nature. I mean, it still was a business transaction at the end of the day. Um, and it just was sad that they didn't tell that young man that it was a business transaction at right. the end of the day. You know, um, we was going to give you this to get this, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and, you know, but, you know, fortunately, he was able to figure that out on his own and, and, and speaking out about it. So that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. And he has a family, yeah. you know, he's he's married, he has kids and it seems like he has a lot of friends um, who who do know the real Michael and a lot of teammates mm-hmm. and people that he's worked with over the years. So like you said, I mean, that feels like at, at such a minimum. I mean, I'm selfishly glad for him that like we get to see the other side. Um, but you know, I remember being really shocked a couple years ago when people kind of came out and were saying that his parents or that not his parents, the twoies were not at like his wedding and people were like outraged. I think it was like five or six years ago. And that's mm-hmm. where I think for a lot of people, um, who didn't know him or didn't know his, his story or weren't kind of viewing the movie in a certain way, we're like, huh, like, I guess it's not this fairy tale happy, happily ever after story at all. Um, and then now it's like so much more has come out, um, which I think we should all, you know, be skeptics, right, with what we see right. and um, just in general, what we, we see in movies, knowing that a movie is always going to be um, portrayed in a way that's going to make the most money and that's going to get the most people to see it. And I think, you know, we're we're in this podcast also just trying to give people a different um lens to maybe think of when we see movies mm-hmm. so that bad mm-hmm. info isn't you know scattered around but yeah. i think we're if anyone else has anything to say we're almost at time but um Zarel? well i was just gonna say um i'm glad that you guys are doing an episode about the blind side it's mm-hmm. good that these conversations happen and these conversations continue because you know michael might not look at it as sports trafficking or maybe he does and maybe this can be a, a whole start of a another conversation yeah. that people haven't thought of and right. um, you know is glad that people like you guys are are doing an episode and a podcast that can you know dissect and get into the to the real of what really is going on in these you know sports you know communities and things of that nature so I, from behalf of abso i just want to say thank you guys for it mm-hmm. well thank you for coming on we're so excited to have you here today and we told and a lot thank of you for yeah and, and thank you for doing the work you're doing mm-hmm. i mean i think you're you're really doing the groundwork in the trenches mm-hmm. um and i think you know like as a a, a privileged white person you know i also want to just recognize that we see it from one lens um and i would just really appreciate if hollywood would stop um be like yes okay sensationalize but maybe we could move away from you know sensationalizing such like racist ideas mm-hmm. forever. Like I just would really like to get away from, from that. Um, that's not in my control, but um, it really just breaks my heart to see this sort of stuff perpetuated and then successful. I mean, I just think it also just speaks to such broader issues in our society mm-hmm. that, that that is such a success. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So where can our listeners find you? Do you guys have a website you'd like to share? Sure. Um, we have um, 
Association, uh, excuse me, BlackSportsOfficials.com here. You know, interesting Zarell talked about as far as in regards to some of the other things we have going on. Again, our officiating, uh, signing um, a business that we do do with the Independent Sports Alliance here. But we're actually transitioning even the educational piece outside of the uh, Association of Black Sports Officials. We're going to do a lot more advocacy work and other right. things centered around, you know, Blacks in that regards here. But the education piece here, you know, just coming under a new umbrella, achieving better sports outcomes you know so that's the name of the company here and, and again mm-hmm. these topics such as what's being talked about today and, mm-hmm. and everything else as well too um we actually have an um we have a rollout we're doing something at the hall of fame in march as far as a uh, presentation mm-hmm. similar to what you went to for sure it's actually an all day one um oh, so cool. we're doing that uh, uh in the middle of march here as far as so we're excited about that as well to get get that out there as well and, and some of the other work that we're doing as well too so but uh, at least initially right off the bat here we could go to black sports officials.com sports with the s officials with the s.com great and I hope it's okay with you. We'll link to all of that in our show notes here if you want to send mm-hmm. that to us um, and let us know when that presentation is. I'd love to go, you know, if we're able to go. Um, I'd love to. Portia had such great things to say about your talk. I'd really love uh, to learn more and hear more about that. it. And we didn't pay her to say that. Neither. No, I know. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, no one's paying us to do this podcast yet, you know? So. <laughs> So labor if you, love, labor <laughs> love. Yeah. If you're liking it and you're listening, please rate, review, and subscribe. Um, and you can follow us at Analyze Scripts Podcast on Instagram, TikTok. You can watch this podcast on YouTube. Um, and we hope to keep putting out, you know, really good content, educational content, breaking down movies and TV shows. Um, and thank you both so much for joining us. We have been so excited to talk to you. Um, I think you just bring such an important perspective and I just, I really hope that, um, you know, you continue doing the good work and I can't wait to see where it goes. Uh, same to you ladies as well. This is a great concept, great idea. So looking for this to, um, just take off and next thing you know, you'd be somewhere in Hollywood yourself. So, you know <laughs> so no, thank you. Thank you. Not, not thank producing you. a movie like this. I can yeah. <laughs> No. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. Absolutely not. So not. Thank you, ladies. All right. Take Thank care, you. everyone. Bye. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast and its contents are a copyright of analyzed scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe, that's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time. <laughs>